Hey guys, today on the show we have an actor, comedian, and producer named Jeremy Piven. You know him best for his role of Ari Gold in HBO's Emmy-winning show, Entourage. It's me, Yorenta Yenta, Lisa Stanley on What Goes On Around Here. And today on What Goes On Around Here, we got Jeremy Piven stopping by to talk all things Jeremy, including his stand-up comedy act, which he will be performing this weekend at the Brea Improv Comedy Club. Hi, Jeremy. Welcome to What Goes On Around Here. It's good to be here. I'm glad you are. All right, let's get into it. Let's dive into the world of all things Jeremy Piven. Yes, yeah. Uh, born in New York, but raised in Illinois. In Chicago, yeah. You come from a Hollywood family, both parents actors, drama teachers. In fact, they founded the Piven Theater Workshop where you trained. Yeah, and there's really nothing Hollywood about my parents or my upbringing, which is, which is I think, news to people in the way that, um, you know, it's 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 fascinating to me right now, especially that my parents did what they did. I think they, my my father said to me what he thought success was was the ability to have a choice in this life to do anything, and certainly with roles, that's all success meant to him. And I think he wanted to have a choice, so he picked up from New York and moved to Evanston just outside of Chicago and started a theater in a, in a you know in a little 99 seat house where he and my mother could put on any production they wanted to and cast themselves in any role they wanted to but, and but they weren't Hollywood people so what why was that what they wanted to do you think because all they want to do is perform they just ah. want to be artists they don't uh, need to there wasn't a need to be famous no showboating well it's just just the uh, the if you 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 know you can go out uh and head to hollywood and and pound the pavement and and try to break in um but along the way if you don't then you will remain stagnant as a performer and i think this is a way for them to constantly perform and to be in control of their creative life and more importantly than any of that was the ability to teach people how to act and not as a means to an end, because they never said, listen, we want you to be professional actors, although that would be a dream uh, to be a creative person, but just to learn more about yourself. So they started the Piven Theater, and I you know, crawled up on stage at about eight years old and, and started with them, with them and was very lucky to be a part of it. And your sister as well, right? She's a yes. director? Shira Piven is a director who's incredibly prolific, directed a... A brilliant feature with Kristen Wiig called Welcome to Me, and she's has been so busy the past few years with um, episodes of, of Transparent and whatnot, and wow. just 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 gr- yeah, show. she's been yeah, she's been she's been doing really well, and she and I are working on a project right now um, where she's going to direct, and uh, we've been putting it together, and it's a labor of love for the two of us, and it's funny because I think people have a little aversion to working with family? Well, because sometimes it doesn't always work out. It's obvious that you guys are close because I remember you saying a while ago that she basically was your first acting teacher. Well, she wasn't... I mean, my my mother and my father were, and she studied as well with them. Um, but yeah, I I don't... I can't imagine not working with family. And I think there are people that, that think about that and they cringe. But for whatever reason with me... Listen, my my family special bond. It 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 is, and You're I know lucky. I, I'm very lucky, and also I know that they're going to give it to me straight, and I love that. I really love the truth because they have your best interests at heart. 
Yes, and and, and no, I mean I hope you're their uh, son. <laughs> absolutely, and and my sister, you know, feels the same way. And I think not is only is that your only sibling? Yeah. Okay. And I think it's not only you know our best interest, but I think it's the, I think it's more of a respect for the space that this will sound so pretentious. So bear with me, but the space you occupy when you create because it's a gift to yeah. be able to create, and every time you're you're doing it, it's you have to honor that and and do the best you possibly can and i think if you so that when you know you it's interesting people some people are afraid to look foolish when they perform and um i've been making a fool of myself for decades you know no literally i mean i if i cared about that's why How, comedy is so great that you're doing it. We're yeah, going to get to that. But yes, that no, that's so a great transition, great. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I just think anytime you're performing and you're thinking, well, how do I look? Um, well, is, you know, I've got this really nice T-shirt on and I wonder if they can see my tricep. I think the moment you think that, you're in trouble. You are in trouble. <laughs> a little shallow there. <laughs> well, it's it's not even that. It's just... I think you're putting the accent on the wrong syllable. Ah, I think, you know, I think if oh, you were... I love for, the way to, you just said that. Well, for, forget about your tricep for a second and just think about what the other... Play, Body parts are doing. Well, like like maybe your, your presence. Like just be present, listen to the other performer and really be present and then so that you can respond accordingly and you'd be surprised what happens. That's a gift in itself to no. be present, don't you think, well, for I actors? Think, I think in life it's a gift. Yeah. And it's a gift that we can get every day. This has turned into the worst TED Talk ever, by the no, way. This, this is the sound is of people going, I don't understand why I'm listening to these guys. <laughs> Who's that guy? He's a guy from Entourage. I don't know. I Wasn't that like 40 years ago? No, people want to know because they want to know. Listen, everybody knows what you're doing now. Well, most people, except for the comedy, which we're going to get into because you've only been doing that for a couple years now um, on stage, I should say. Because yeah. I can tell, I don't know you well, but I can tell you're a funny guy just on the norm. Um, but would you say that in 1992, your career changed after you became a regular on the Larry Sanders show? No, I, I, I wouldn't say that moved the needle at all, but I said what it, what it did do was allow me to be around geniuses and just be in awe of Gary Shandling and Rip Torn and Jeffrey Tambor and Paul Sims and Judd Apatow and the list goes on and on and on. Um, did Fred, you learn anything from that oh show that you take God. into your comedy world now? Man, I hope so. Um, <laughs> I mean, I watch Shandling was, and everyone should go and see the Zen Diaries of um, of Gary Shandling that Judd Apatow did, and it was so brilliant, and it's on HBO. I have nothing to do with it other than I was lucky enough to be a part of that show. Um, but he, he he was a guy that, that was on an incredible journey, and I was lucky enough to spend a few years with him and, and witness his genius. And yeah, I mean... All, all I could do was try to contribute as much as I, I could and watch the way he worked. And I think he always operated from a place of truth and pain and that he explored and heightened that and, and it resulted in really great comedy. And that's what you do as a stand-up comedian. Do you notice that little transition? I like it. Yeah. So as a comic... All, all roads are going to lead back to the comedy oh world my, for you. Don't you, you worry. No, I know. <laughs> that's that's the mantra right now in my life, really. Um, it's the one form that I've never done. I was lucky enough to grow up and 
and do straight theater uh, and improv and sketch comedy. And you my, worked with Second City? Yeah, my, my whole life I did that. And then when I got out of college, I worked with Second City, exactly, and did sketch comedy with them. And and then, so my background was, was, was in improv and sketch comedy, which is a lot of stand-up comics background, but I just never transitioned into it, into it because I was just lucky enough to always work as an actor. And here we are. Did uh, you ever think you wanted to do comedy or were like when you started acting, was comedy part of your your mantra in your head? Like, I'm going to start this way. You did over 40 movies and now I think I'm going to be on stage as a comic. Well, it's funny. I did 40 movies before I even did Entourage. Yes. In 2000, whatever yeah, it was. People don't know that. No, I'm an old dude. That's why. Um <laughs> No. And a lot of those movies with John Cusack, who also went to the Piven Theater, I believe. That's right, and Joan Cusack and Aidan Quinn, and and the list goes on. I when when we when I was growing up in the Piven Theater, we never made a distinction between drama and comedy, so that because I don't think there needs to be huh. because yeah, I I just feel like our lives are at any moment a, a complete and utter. Well, we're tragedy. Dramedy. Well, we're dramedy. <laughs> we're dramedy at all moments, right? You know, um, and so why shouldn't that our lives? I mean, not to sound pretentious again, but I think art is is putting a mirror up to life, and so the the way we navigate as artists is the way we navigate as in human beings, and so it's funny and tragic at any moment. So. I wasn't thinking that I would do any one or the other. It's just when a great role comes along. And, you know, the first series regular gig I had was on the Larry Sanders show with all these geniuses. Uh, and, you know, and then I move into Ellen. And oh, I'm, I'm, that was great on Ellen. Yeah, that was so much fun. And she's a, a stand-up genius. Genius. Now, you were part of the Ellen ABC sitcom mm -hmm. where she came out gay. Yes. Um, and my Indeed. other friend, Jolie Fisher, was also on that uh show incredible cast um she was uh, it was so you know people say it was brave of her but you know she's that's who she is correct you know and she became she, her authentic self yeah and she's just a, a, a genius person um oh, I and i don't know her. if it's any one of our it's our business like what what her orientation is but she owned it and it was it was genius and, and it's worked out pretty well for her i'd say she's incredible <laughs> incredibly prolific and anyone in the stand-up world they use the term beast with her, that she's a beast on stage. And you know she's say. back in she's, the stand-up world. She's back and better than before. And for me, um, having this background and being around all these amazing players, um, I'd always thought in the back of my mind I would love to try stand-up, but I was always scared. And it wasn't until I saw some of my friends like Brian Callen, who's this incredibly prolific stand-up comic, and even Sebastian Maniscalco, who's just a... He's just an animal on stage. He's so funny, so physical, and he uses his body. And I'm, I'm a physical actor, comedic actor, and so I just thought, you know what? I, I, I've been, I've been dancing around this for so many years, and and you just have to embrace what scares the hell out of you, and because if you walk through that, you'll learn more about yourself. And and that's what I did. Well, doing stand-up is so different. I mean, I'm well, who am I to say I'm not in stand-up world and I'm not an actor, but I would think in my mind doing a character such as Ari Gold um, in in Entourage, which you uh, which you did a hell of a job with. Thank you. Um, being a stand-up on stage, that's Jeremy Piven. Yeah. That's not any character. There is no mask on your face. So what people are seeing is you, what they're hearing is you, and when they walk away, they can't walk away and say, oh, that was just a character, Ari Gold. I'm sure Jeremy's not like that. Well, actually, what's really funny is 
And and I'm very thankful that you didn't ask this question because every interview I ever do, the one question that is they a constant. Ask if you have any traits of Ari Gold? Right. They want to know what part of me is like Ari Gold. In in other words. How much of a douchebag am I really in real life? That's the that's a, let's be honest. That's the real is that question. The translation? That's the trans is what it translates to. And and by how the, do you prepare for being a douchebag when you're not a douchebag? Well, that's th- a better question. That's a great question, and thank you very much because you and I know each other now, so I, I I really appreciate that. I think you know you you need to. This is going to get very spiritual, but bear with me for a half a second. I think what's fascinating about that character was he operated on his lowest vibration in terms of he was continuously reactive. And when we don't meditate, when we, we're not present and we're not the best version of ourselves, we're reactive, we're um, a, a slave to our the X in us, which is that negative voice in us, and we operate from fear, and we live in extremes. And so I had to just kind of dial into that and embrace a form called Commedia dell'arte, which is one, one of four emotional states, happiness, sadness, anger, or fear. And that was an Italian form that I learned from my teacher, the great Tim Robbins, who's an actor and director. And so I, anyone that knows Commedia or looks it up now can watch my performance and go, oh, my God, that was just that was full Commedia. So because- you didn't just like see a douchebag person and say, you know what, I'm going to take some of that dude's douchebag <laughs> characters and I'm going to move them into Ari Gold. Yeah, let's, I just want to be the grand poobah of the douchebag parade. Well, I mean, that's the character. So you embraced it correctly to be yeah. that, right? Well, listen, everyone knows. Look, you won Golden Globes, Emmys, three yeah. consecutive Emmys, dude, for that role. You yeah. did something right <laughs> well well thank you yeah i i that character listen that character was based on ari emmanuel who is arguably one of the most kind from of chicago for another guy from chicago with a, with a brilliant family political uh, world right yes rom is the mayor and was the chief of staff for obama and clinton and ezekiel his other brother is a brain surgeon but you know they're underachieving as a family i think <laughs> i think their their mother's like when are my sons going to evolve and do something with their lives oh my god and you know Ari just bought the UFC and he continues on and and he you know although he'll never admit it but you know he is and now is is evolving and you know is is he's a great guy and and always has been but he the character was based on him and he is a larger than life colorful character Was he insulted? I, you know I don't know but I know that You never spoke to him about it? Well I you know he from 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 accounts he would be on call saying uh, you want me? You want me to be the guy, the guy from the show? Want me to be the guy from the show? Want me to be? You know, I'm the real Ari. I'm the real Ari. I heard him say that once, and I said, "Brother, do you have Tourette's? You keep saying I'm the real Ari. It just I don't know if they have HBO. They may not know what you're saying right now. So that you know, he is. Listen, he he. Do you does, miss playing that character? Because it's such a departure from Jeremy Piven. So come on. Well, I I tell you, I. I'm so lucky in the way that I get to travel around and perform my my comedy, my writing, what's coming from me. And you hit it on the head. You said, you know, you're playing these fictional characters and you get to be yourself on stage. And so it's selfishly, it's incredible for an audience to come and see who I am. Mm. Because no, 
this is a great long form interview, but you know, there, there are very few interviews or any form or format where people can see who I actually am. That's why I'm doing these podcasts, Thank FYI, mm. with people so that you can show who you really are. It's not fair to you that when you walk down the street, people look at Jeremy Piven <laughs> and go, hey, there's that douchebag Ari Gold or right. whatever character you would be playing. It would be much yeah. nicer for you to hear, I imagine. Hey, I just saw you doing stand-up. Man, you were a funny guy. Well, that that you know what I'm hearing the most, which is this, this really interesting backhanded compliment. People come up to me after my shows and they say I had no idea you were that funny I was just gonna ask you did you know you were that funny oh my that's a terrible question I knew (laughs) I knew listen I I mean I I think I'm funny (laughs) well you are and that's why you you have this show and we we all are listen I think there isn't a person alive that doesn't consider them a, somewhat of a comedian. I think that that's how we get through life. You know, when I play, I remember playing in Black Hawk Down and 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 just interviewing these these pilots and these guys that have been through war and they need comedy to, to survive. You know, to to diffuse the tension. So we're all we all are, are comedic forces to, to lesser and greater extents. But I always knew I could do characters. Um, I knew that I could improvise. I knew that I could navigate you know, comedically, and, you know, I've gotten to play, you know, toe-to-toe with the Will Ferrells of the world so and all these fabulous. people. So that I, 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 I've learned from the best, and so now I get to be on stage, and the idea of sinking or swimming based on my writing and terrifying. my take on the world terrifying. is fascinating. But it's, isn't it terrifying? It is terrifying, but it's exhilarating, and it's like... If you're if you're a basketball player, I'm going to this is me Chicago reference. If you're a basketball player, and Who, by the way, Jeremy was kicked out of a game. I read, just saying. I was kicked out of a game for for cheering for Michael Jordan. I'll tell you what happened. They, you know, because I'm a local guy, and they said I didn't have a ticket. I was filming a show called Cupid a million years ago, and they said, "Listen, we don't have any seats, Jeremy, but you can sit in press row." Oh. Um, but you're not allowed to cheer for the Bulls. We what? know you're a Chicago guy. I go, oh, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. And I'm sitting there what? 11 feet from Michael Jordan ripping the rim down, and I just, I, I, you know, I, I lost myself, and I, I just started screaming. Wouldn't. I started screaming, and I, I didn't, I had not a body experience, and they immediately threw me <gasps> out, which is okay, because you know what? I've actually, I've actually, uh, throughout the years, I would always, it was a joke, I'd always show up at these places in Chicago, and they'd go, oh, man, you just miss MJ. And I felt like I should get a T-shirt saying you just miss MJ. Oh, that's hysterical. I've missed that guy more times. And then recently, in the past few years and whatnot, I've been lucky enough to run into him. Oh. He's he's better than I even thought. Just a real kind of... Stand-up guy. Stand-up guy. uh, Did you tell him what happened? Well, he... Yeah. (laughs) But the thing about MJ is, I think that... And I learned this, the same thing when I met Jay-Z, is I think these guys are so celebrated that I think what's... Th- that's the last thing they need is another dude coming up to them getting being on their jock so what's fun for them is is to kind of just you know be off your authentic self and i think they recognize that and it was funny at one well, point don't they admire your work did he ever I see have, any of your work i have no idea but he didn't kick did he me know who you were? he didn't yes he did okay, know good. who i was okay good and he didn't <laughs> kick me out of his section so i think maybe he knew i was <laughs> Um, and he was standing over me, and it was really hot. We were at, I remember one year we were at Stevie Wonder's birthday party, and we were in the Bahamas, and he was sweating on me. And oh. I was just like, oh my God, get that DNA all over me. I was like, yes. I was like rubbing it into my cheeks and stuff, you know, just hoping for a vertical. Someday I could get my little Jewish ass, get a, get a fucking 
four foot vertical. White man catch up. Don't you remember? Get that, that? DNA on me. Okay, and a lot yeah. of people probably don't know this about you, Jeremy. You do some insane impressions. I yeah. mean, Mike Tyson, Owen Wilson, Sylvester Stallone, who yeah. you actually did get to uh, do an impression for him on an airplane. Could you tell that story? Uh, yeah, I um, I met Stallone, and it's interesting. If if you want, uh, have you ever interviewed him? I was just going to tell you, yeah. my very first interview in this business was Sylvester Stallone. For what movie? Oh my God, it was so long ago, like a Rocky movie. Um, on the set, we were downtown in his trailer, and I'll never forget, I walked in, he had a shirt off, yeah. he's just like standing there like boxers, he goes, oh yo, sit over here. And I was so like, wait, you want to come on here for a second? Yeah, I got a couple minutes in between takes with that. I'm just going to put some cheetah adrenaline deep inside of me. Uh, I'm going to see that, that that is a line of creatine right there. I'm going to snort a big fat line of creatine. I'm ripped 71 years old. I look at me. He's 71 years old. You will never look that good. Never. Oh, my God. What never is he doing? What is he? Good. What is he doing? So what happened on the plane? Tell everybody. Um, I, you know what? I, I, I'm going to refrain from that story only because it's a part of my act and I want oh, them to okay. come see it. And That's I'm, okay. I'm with you. Watch this transition. I'm going to be at the Brea Improv this weekend and I want people to come on Thursday, out. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, people. Absolutely. Now, Brea, for those of you who don't know, just head out towards Anaheim. Like you're going to see the Ducks or Disneyland and just come to the Brea Improv, spend the night, hang out with me, laugh. There's a little VIP situation afterwards where we get to hang out and take pictures. It's going to be a blast. And you also, in your act, I believe, talk about, um, well, obviously you're acting. Uh, and uh, one in particular that I'll never forget, the gay Versace salesman that you played in Rush Hour. Absolutely. <laughs> that was the Every time I think of you doing that, there's only one other actor I think of, Bronson Pinchot, in yeah. uh, I'll Have a Twist of Lemon with that. Or or wasn't it wasn't it Damon Wayans who was in like one of the Beverly Hills Cop and he's like, just take the banana. Just yeah. take it. Take it. Just take it, Axel Foley. Just take that banana and just shove it in your tailpipe. Um, and I think, I think, it yeah. It was actually I'm, Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Who said, I'm not going to fall for that old banana in the tailpipe trick. But he's like, no, just take the banana. Just take it. Just take it. Just take the banana. Um, yeah, so I, I played, you know, it's funny. You know, we're actors. We That's what we do. We play different roles. and But you do that on stage in your comedy. Yes. You bring the roles to life there as well? Well, yeah, that's, that's what's so fun and amazing about stand-up. You're really enjoying this. I could tell just looking at you people, you're not in the room here, but his eyes light up when he talks about comedy. And I'm really happy that you found a niche. Thank you. That you're really happy doing. And this has been your world and your focus for the last two years is stand-up comedy. What happened? Did you just wake up one day and say, you know what? I'm going to take a little break from acting now and I'm just going to do stand-up and work on it. Well, it's interesting. Last year, I was shooting a, a CBS show called Wisdom of the Crowd. What am I? I want to say something. I don't know why it didn't get ratings, which is why they canceled it, because yeah. ratings weren't up to par. Well, actually, right? you know I, you know what's funny is... It was one of my favorite shows, it was, Jeremy. It was the highest rated show that was canceled. I don't know what that means. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know what it means. But, no, but the I, network said it was canceled because of ratings. You know what? All I know is that more people watch that show than any show I've ever done. I and loved it. It was incredible. And I remember one night... 
after we wrapped, and we do long days, I was up at the improv on, on La Brea, not the Brea Improv, which is this weekend, kids, but on La Brea, uh, off of La Brea and Melrose in, in Hollywood here, and I was on stage, and I just remember thinking, why am I why am I up here? I just finished 14 hours on my show. I got to go home and run lines and be up at dawn, and I was having like an, an out-of-body experience being up there, and unbeknownst to me, I was I was preparing for this stand-up tour that I'm now doing. I, I it, it's it's weird how the universe works, you know. I, I've I've been getting up, I'll, you know, and I get up in between killers. I remember um, Joe Rogan grabbed the mic after me one night at the comedy store, and he said. Oh great! Just just what we need another actor trying to do stand up. Oh, actually, no. I'm sorry. I he said that before I got up, and then afterwards he came up to me and he goes, "Man, you're taking this really seriously." And I said, "Yeah." And he was very sweet and confirming. And he's a very uh, opinionated guy who has created a lane for himself, and he's doing brilliant he stuff. Sure is. He he's really got a is. heck of a podcast, yeah, that Joe he, Rogan. He does, Woo! man. He really does. And he's he's just he's just a, he's just living his authentic self. Did that under. hurt your feelings? Uh, it, it it inspired me because he's so truthful, and he he respects the space that he occupies when he does stand up, as they all do. And you know Joe doesn't know my background, and he doesn't know that I have immense respect for for standups. And and I get up there, and I I, I get on any stage that I can practice on. Almost and, every night you do, I, yeah, I believe, right? Absolutely. And I think he saw that. And when he said, you know, you really take this seriously, um, it was a real shot in the arm for me because he didn't have to say that. No. And um, he protects you know himself and others stand up. So that was a really cool moment. What about hecklers? Have you had to deal with them, and how do you deal with it? You know, because different than when you're on a set. It, I don't think you're getting heckled <laughs> <laughs> when you're on a set. Um, <laughs> or maybe you are. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm 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 not getting I'm not getting heckled when I'm on a set. Although, um, my mother, who has been my acting teacher my whole life, and we talked about that earlier, would come to the set of Entourage, and she would have the headphones on, and you you know some of the things I was screaming at Lloyd, and people would just kind of look at my mother in fear, like. What did she just hear? You know, come. If, if, I mean, listen. I get. I, I. I just ruined the punchline. Lloyd, have you had so much blank squirted in your eyes that you can't even see what's right in front of you? And um, you know, you know I will choke you out with a strap on, Lloyd. <laughs> and then I look over at my mom. My mom. Mom's looking at me, and she's like, "You know what, Jeremy? I need you to commit more to the strap on." <laughs> You know, she's like, you're not being specific with the strap-on. What is your relationship with that strap-on? I go, Mom, I don't have a relationship with the strap-on. Lloyd has a relationship with the strap-on. She goes, great, great. Right there. Take that energy that you have right there and begin the scene like that. I'm like, you're right, Mom. You're absolutely right. That's a great note. You're absolutely right, Mom. You know, a lot of people would not like their mother sitting on the set, A, listening to the character spew that stuff. Right. My mom, that's what's great about my mom is she is a professional, she's an artist, and she knows that this is all fictional, and that these were written, and it's a character, and I have to get in there you and have to not- embrace it. I have to embrace the character and not judge the character. Listen, Ari Gold does not share the same ideology I have. Oh, really? <laughs> no, you know, and not, not in any way, shape, or form, nor, nor does Ari Emanuel, and he knows that, and we know that, and yet, it's our job to not judge these characters, and to embrace them and give them as much integrity as possible, and and remember that no matter what character you're playing, no one is the devil in their own story. 
Mm. So even if they're a very bad person, you have to play them as if they're misunderstood or whatever. So my mom knows that. So she's on on set watching me play this fictional character, and the language doesn't bother her for a second. Well, she's, a, she's an artist. She's an artist yeah. and, and a coach and a teacher. Right. And so she knows that it's all about the role. Mm-hmm. Um when you leave, though, like a 16-hour day, as I imagine you probably yeah. have many of those on the set of Entourage, how do you shake off that douchebag? How well, do you get rid of him? You know, what's interesting is we we didn't do 16-hour days on Entourage, thank no? God. They were, they were very, very decent to us. And it's our job to come to set... Um, as prepared and over-prepared as you possibly can to hit the ground running. And um, so, you know, if if we did the work, then then you move on. And so we had we had very decent hours and we just did the best that we could. And, and I'm very Some proud people of all that. Leave the set and take the character home with them. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. I think that um, it, it's a little bit of a fantasy for some people that people that actors stay in character ah, you know they and call I, that method acting yes yes well well yeah that they stay in, indeed and they stay in character and they're always thinking from the perspective of that character and they live their lives in, as a character but i think it's very important to as you said shake shake that particular character off um and i think to be honest with you i think that per- particular character of ari gold is a hollywood power player and I think it's very easy for people. He's pe- talking about the character, by the way, not himself. Yes, just the, char- want to be clear. <laughs> the character of Ari, of Ari Gold. I, I'm a I'm what's known as a journeyman actor. You can say what you will. What wo- is that? Uh, that means that I I'm I'm an actor that is not in a position of power in terms of. Um, I am not a producer. Uh, I don't run a studio. Um, I don't. I don't make decisions. I I go from role to role. You show up, you do your job. Yeah, and and then, you know, actors are always in fear that they're going to be out of work as soon as the job is done. Um, Before I did Entourage, I did 40 movies, and I was in those movies. If you looked at the script, the the roles maybe had one line, and it was my job to go in there with alternate dialogue and to play the characters if it was the lead, and they would see dailies and go, wow, let's uh, let's put you in some more scenes. And so I would make a meal out of scraps, and that's what I would highly suggest anyone do who's looking to get into- advice. Yeah, to get into acting. Just, you know, it's very important to be delusional and to think that your character (laughs) is the lead. No, but by the way, I brought this up a few minutes ago, uh, uh, Bronson Pinchot, Mm -hmm. that one line that he he had in that gallery with the lemon twist really people were talking about that in the movie more than anything when it first came out yeah i mean there it's that old cliche there are no small roles that's true you know and, right? and it really is true but i think when you play a character like ari gold um and you're in people's living rooms for eight seasons in a movie i you know my mom so cool. my mom called it she said you know be careful cuz people might think that you are that character and I thought that's ridiculous mom mm. I I really didn't see it coming so I, I didn't see any of that coming but it's you know after that I, I did four years Eight of seasons come on of course they're gonna start to blend you two together right exactly you know and that's what's great about stand-up is because you can come out to the Bray improv on Thursday Friday and Saturday <laughs> what time and, and uh, at 730 thank you and see me uh, performing and navigating as Jeremy Piven entering into different characters seeing what I find do you funny. have a favorite do you have a favorite character that you've played over the years I mean you've done so much um 
I mean, yeah, every every character that I play, I did something that hasn't come out yet with the great Jamie Foxx. Yes. Where it's called All-Star Weekend. And yes. the two of us, is this, is this road comedy that he wrote and directed. He directed that movie. Yeah. And it'll be out next year, we're is hoping. Is that one He's, of your favorite roles? I mean, it is in the way that Jamie is so genius and he allowed all of us to play with him. And so he's one of these guys who, you know, I remember going to when he got a star on the Walk of Fame and they literally ran out of icons because he's, you know, he's a an actor and a singer, a, a, a singer and a producer I mean, and a stand up. I just a duet with Barbara Streisand. Hello. Yeah. I mean, there's really kind of <laughs> nothing he can't do, you know. He's so phenomenal. Yeah, he is. And, and won an Oscar for Ray. Right. Hello, Z. Yeah. And he's just one of those guys who's very humble and hardworking. And when you're playing opposite him, there's no direction he can't go in. So when you're improvising with a guy like that, it's, you know, you just got to bring your A game. Um, well, that's and, where Second City comes into play for you, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, improvising and, 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 you know, just bringing all of your entire tool set. And he's, it, People, it's funny, my brother-in-law, Adam McKay, who won an Oscar for The Big Short, he would tell me that he would work with these brilliant actors and they would all say, I can't improvise. And he would get them to improvise because the thing is, if you're an actor and you've navigated scripts truthfully and you've put the work in to be specific and you just allow yourself in that character to, with your own point of view and all the specifics that you've created for yourself, to keep the scene alive and not get scared, right. you know, they're going to be able to do it. And so he, he's proven that. And I think Jamie is a, a great example of that in many ways. But he also is a stand-up and has written on his feet. So he's beyond a triple threat. And I'm you're just, approaching. You're approaching the uh, triple threat. Do you well, want to direct at all? I would love to direct. I'd love to. You know, I've been thinking about that lately. I a can't lot. believe you never directed one episode of Entourage. Well, I asked many times, actually. And they wouldn't let you. Well, listen. They they had people lining up to ah. to direct. And, Do you um, miss it? Do you miss the character at all? Is there anything about Ari Gold you miss? Well, I mean, listen, it was very... Other than his nice clothes. Uh, I own Domenico <laughs> Vaca. Nice Shout clothes. out to Domenico Vaca, who, who made all my suits. <laughs> yeah. And Domenico is, has got his own DV club in New York and doing brilliantly. Anyway, I do... I do. You know what's interesting? I got to... It was so cathartic to play a character that... You're so far removed from well, not as only, a human. Not only that, but who is so reactive and acts out so much that that character, like, you know, I think that's what's so kind of fun for people to watch is that, especially in this day and age, to have a character that is that emotionally kind of unstable. Charged. Yeah, <laughs> and charged and, you know, and over-emotionally invested. Right. Um, it was very therapeutic to to rant and to break computers right. and phones. Oh, how fun. And I almost think that it would be good therapy for people. They right. could have like a center where you go in and An you just- An Ari Gold therapy. Right, Ari Gold therapy. <laughs> and you just fire, you just continuously fire people. And there are assistants that you do and you get on the phone and you just let it all out. Because listen, it was very therapeutic and yet it was exhausting. Yes. It was completely exhausting. So you say, do I miss it? Yes, I, uh, of course I, any, anyone- Well, two-part question. Yeah. Do you miss Ari- and do you miss doing a regular series? Um, it, it doesn't matter what the format is. Um, I went right from that to doing an hour drama, Mr. Selfridge in London. Yep. And that was an incredible character. And that was very demanding. 
uh, because it's just more content and you have to you have to shoot more and um, but I, I miss it all but at the same time I get to perform for an hour yeah. on stage my own material that I've written. So I'm I'm the, the star and the writer and director and producer and editor and the whole so thing. So have you bombed ever? I have. I, I, I bombed. And what it. happened? Um, I doubted myself and everything I'm about and if I could actually do it. I was at the Dime, which is a tiny little bar on Fairfax. And Adam Hunter, the great Adam Hunter, who's a brilliant stand-up, hosts this evening where, you know, stand-ups get up. And it's it's not a setting for stand-up comedy. So you get a few people that have wandered in there there to see the DJ. Mm. And they kind of look up and, you know, they're who's usually... Who's this idiot up there? Yeah, exactly. Who's this guy? And there's a couple of comics in the back folding their arms. And it's the toughest room in the country. And I, I bombed... And I remember thinking, I ran outside, and Adam caught up to me, man. And he said, oh, you did good, man. I was like, yeah, I really didn't, man. And How far into your period of this stand-up, what did it take before you did bomb? Was it early on? or It was early on, um, but I was lucky enough to have a set right after that at a big club. And what's interesting about the comedy gods, it's like, if you can stay on stage and know you're bombing and just tough it out, you'll be rewarded in your next set. Ah. And the next set was huge. And I just think that... Well, what was different from that um, to the other? Well, listen, listen. Same material? Same material. It's very easy in life for all of us to get in our own ways and doubt ourselves. We can do it at any moment. Um, Or you can take a beat and really know that we're all... we We are enough. And that we can, if we focus and we do our thing, we can even surprise ourselves. So it's very easy to give in to those negative thoughts and go, you know what? It's I can't do it. It's not for me. Have I, you ever been in therapy? Yes, of course. Good. I could tell. I yeah. love this. This is why I'm so re- relating to you with everything because we've both gone to yeah. therapy, oh, and yeah. what you're saying is so true. I'm going so to therapy true. right after this. I mean, what you're saying yeah. is so true. Yeah, and we have to just, and it's almost like stand up as a metaphor for life. It's like, you know, these people out there, just because you can't hear them laugh doesn't mean you aren't doing your thing and you're and you're not being funny. And and also, once you put that work in, and you kind of eat it. And you stick it out. You go to another house that's a little bit more f- appreciative for whatever reason. There's more people in there. They've had a better day. They have. They're more right co- because I imagine that affects your stand-up is the mood that the crowd is in. Oh, absolutely. And, and by the way, you know one of the great things that stand-ups have to embrace, which I haven't fully done yet, is silence. I'm still uncomfortable and I, I just kind of feel the need I gotta crush I gotta hit it I gotta hit it what do you mean by silence meaning you could stand on stage and be quiet for a minute no meaning that you can tell a story and allow them to be silent ah. and let it know that it's okay and that so you, you could, don't need a laugh for every single no. thing I mean one of my heroes Dave Chappelle is watching last oh, I love night Dave Chappelle. yeah and he's incredibly brave and brilliant and present and daring and all anybody those that things. walks away from a 50 million dollar deal is my kind of man <laughs> there you go <laughs> Well, yeah, he's um, he's pretty brave and, and he's he's fearless and it's his superpower and we can learn a lot from him. But we can also learn as stand-ups from watching him because he's not afraid to tell a story and to draw people in and, and to really just work that silence. Um, and I, I've started to embrace it. I just feel like if, you know, I really want to make sure I'm always entertaining them. So that's, this has been part of my journey. And also like we were talking about characters before, 
when I tell stories, I want to make sure that the impressions that I do and the characters that I enter in are not a gimmick and that they're used solely and specifically to enhance the story, Mm -hmm. you know, as that kind of spice in there. And that's kind of what's been happening. And I'm having a blast. And who were your comedy icons, if you will, mentors? I think I heard you once say Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor, for sure. Just because he's one of these guys. To me, Richard Pryor... Did you study them? Did you go back and look at their stand-ups before you got on stage to see if there's anything that you needed to take from them? Well, I've been well, I've seen every one of his stand-ups, and I, I certainly haven't heard all of his records. But um, but a guy like that is so brilliant, and he was so unique. So ahead and of his time, he he was, and you could even say that at times what he was doing wasn't even stand-up. He was kind of this brilliant actor performer entering into the space of of someone being, you know in in the wilderness watching a deer this like little fawn just drink before someone's you know going to shoot them or whatever or playing a junkie you know getting high and entering into that character um which became he, real for him yeah and, and 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 he was real on stage and i think uh that's what's so brilliant about being a stand up is you can get up there and tell your truth and reveal it to the audience and they know They can tell right away if you're telling the truth or not. Mm. And that's what's so great. That's what's so great. But that's with you doing like storytelling comedy, if you will, because Mm -hmm. some comedians just get up there and crack jokes. Well, I got jokes. I got jokes. (laughs) Um, But I've also got stories, you know? I mean, I recently, uh, literally, at, at TSA, the guy's like, hey, man, I really dig your work. Any stuff coming out? Take your hat off, take your belt off, take your shoes off. What? Is that your toothpaste? Yeah. Anything sharp in that bag? No. Oh, can you, can you grab that toothpaste for me? Grab the toothpaste. Yeah. Hey, man, so what's going on? Grab the toothpaste. Okay, squeeze it. All right, man. And listen, I got to take the toothpaste. You're going you, to take my toothpaste, but you know who I am and you like my work. Yeah. What am I going to get on the plane and say, freeze or I'll remove your tartar? Like, what? Well, I mean... Let me take that lotion. That's a little too much lotion in there, baby. Let me got to take that lotion, baby. Who am I? Osama bin lotion? Like what? I'm confused. This literally just happened to me. Okay, I hope you're going to tell this this weekend at the Brea Improv because that is some funny story. It's true. It's like you guys, come on, let's take let's take a page out of out of like you know the Israelis. You know when they do security, you know they they. If you know, did you think that I've been an actor my whole life as a ruse, and what I really am is a You're terrorist? Really a bomber. Yeah. So like, like that was just like my, my you know, that was my okay, Plan B. Funny. Plan B was just, you know, I'm going to play Ari Gold, and I'm going to transition to this, and then I'm going to make a lotion bomb. There is there a lotion bomb? A Has tooth- there ever been a lotion bomb? Or a toothpaste bomb would work? A toothpaste bomb. I'm going to take the crow's feet away from the pilot with my lotion. He's going. I'm going to hydrate the pilot. What's? I'm confused. This is why you guys all have to go see Jeremy Piven at the Brea Improv. Come on down, kids. Thursday, Let's get Friday, into it. It's going to be fun. And Saturday. I'll give you your money back if you don't laugh. Is that true? Absolutely. Come on. You will? Well, listen, all I know is that I've been a performer for 40 years, okay? So I've been on stage my whole life. No, I haven't been a stand-up for 20 years. And so but I, you're really I'm not, funny, Jeremy. Thank you, honey. You I'm really not a are. veteran stand-up, but it's my job to make them laugh from beginning to end. That's my job. So that's what I'm doing, and that's what happens. How long is and the show? The show is five hours long, oh, so it's great. very awkward. <laughs> it ends around dawn, and they're furious. Bring your sleeping bag. Yeah, br- bring a buck knife. <laughs> <laughs>
And just prepare to just lash out at me. No. Um, Do you think you've gotten funnier in the last two years? I, man, I hope so. I think you have. I mean, I, I don't know you that long, <laughs> but I've seen you. We've been around each other. Right. And I really think you've gotten a lot funnier. Well, thank you. I, you know, I, I think what it is is I've always loved people that are funny and you know we we love to make each other laugh and i've been that guy my whole life but i think you know it's just interesting navigating life and you can it gets confusing and you can get serious and i think that there was a a time when when i i got too serious uh for whatever reason and so maybe your your background your training you're you're a real trained performer, and I think that you take your life, your jobs, very seriously, which is a good thing. Yeah. If I'm a producer, I want someone like you, who's not going to go out every night drinking and partying, who takes his job seriously, and I believe that's what you do. I do because I do think we we have an obligation. We're very lucky to be able to be in a position to perform on any stage anywhere and because there's someone else that wants that spot. So you right. have to do the best that you possibly can and that's that's our duty. And so and so you know on that note um I will t- say to anyone out there people come up to me and they say man, you know, what's the secret sauce? How do I do it? And I just tell them that I can only tell them my experience, which is I would take every short film, every student film, anything that came my way so that, like Malcolm Gladwell said about the difference between good and great is 10,000 hours, try to get those 10,000 hours in. Even if you're an extra on a set with a a performer you think is brilliant, watch them. Watch their preparation, how they navigate a set. Um, Get used to a set so by the time you get your shot, because you will get a shot, you will have already been on that set. It won't be new to you, and you'll be prepared because you're, you're, you know, luck meets preparation, all that stuff. You know, just be prepared, do your thing, put your ego aside. When I played Ari Gold and they came to me, I was already doing the lead in TV series, and and they said this is the fifth lead. It's one scene. It's we've only had the pilot is the only thing written, and you know, uh, come in and audition on this date, and I went, well. Here's the thing. You have to put your ego aside and just go, listen, no matter, we all think it's very good to be confident and it will guide us. At the same time, you have to check your ego and go, wait a minute, this is going to be a great role. And on paper, maybe I'm doing things that are beyond this in terms of, you know, the the billing and the amount of time on screen, but I can make something of this role. HBO is a, is a is a brilliant station that had at the time shows like The Sopranos and Sex and the City. Mm. So the pedigree of shows were incredible. You're going to be surrounded by Wasn't these, Arliss around then too? It was just before that. Yeah. And so if I get in there and do my job and do it well and put the ego aside and take this smaller role which was described as a fringe player and now we're not out really to be a huge player. Yeah, and it's your job to go in there and, and be prepared and you know, just give it everything you have and then see if they can explore and heighten that role. And they did. And I got very lucky. And here we are. Three uh, time Emmy winner consecutives. Yeah. All right. So uh, tell everybody again where they can see you this weekend. Give out your website. All things oh, Jeremy. All things Jeremy right now. Um JeremyPiven.com. It's very difficult to go to my tour site. It's JeremyPiven.com. And you can, you can find me on Instagram with my little and blue And are you touring um, all over the place or just in L.A. right now? 
Uh, I am all over the place. After this, I'll be in West Palm Beach. Okay. Uh, and then after that in San Diego. But, but you it, can find all of that out, everyone, on JeremyPiven.com. Yes. Uh, are you involved in social it, media? Do you do social media? It's like jeremy hyphen Piven.com. Just go, yeah, go to my, my Twitter with the blue check or my Instagram, and then it has all the information, and I'll be on the road, and we can get into it and have fun. Are, are there, are there going to be more movies and TV shows in your future, or do you really want to just concentrate on this comedy? Uh, Jamie, Jamie Foxx has in his hands uh, our movie, which I'm so proud of, and it's so funny, and I can't wait to see that and for people to see that. And for the past year and a half, I've because uh, I realized that if I were to split my focus right now, um, I don't think I could be the best stand-up that I, I could possibly be at this moment. So I'm kind of all in, and we'll see where it leads. And I'm also documenting the journey. Because for like a documentary, yeah, maybe a Netflix documentary well, or something? It's fascinating because... Wow, great because, idea, Jeremy. Yeah, because no one... I think everyone fancies themselves a stand-up, you know, and they fancy themselves very funny. So to take a guy who you know from film and TV who is transitioning into stand-up and to see how difficult it is and and all the different, you know, you... Nuances. I, yeah, and I don't want to tell too much, but I think people are going to be really surprised on what this journey was like for me because it ain't easy. I bet it's not. Well, look, you know, they're always making fun of these uh, uh, singers who want to be actors. Mm -hmm. Mariah Carey took a lot of grief. You know, a lot of people can do a lot of different things, and I can say this about you. You're really funny. Thank you, honey. I appreciate and, your time. And thank You've you. always been great to me, so I appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time and coming in, and thank you. Have a great day. Thank you so much. <laughs>